0: Amen. Praise the Lord. Just wanted to acknowledge those of you that are joining us on Facebook Live. We're so excited that you're here with us. We're continuing on our series on Dynamics of Destiny Relationships. We've been really digging into the marriage relationship. And it's been, I mean, we've been plowing some good ground. um, And it's been some some good things we're sharing. We're really kind of coming to the tail end of the marriage relationships and It's kind of befitting that we'll tail off here and of course sunday um, this coming sunday uh, we have a special treat for you on mother's day and um, so we'll have a discussion about that and then this following week my intention is that we go in and talk about parental relationships right parent and child relationships parent relationships because there's one level of relationship when there's a when they are children and then as they mature into the destiny that God has for them then the relationship you have with them must change yeah, amen, amen. That, and that's not a bad thing right I know I like to treat my daughter like she was my baby forever but she's not she is growing up on me and she's telling me so whether I like it or not uh, as uh, we used to say when we were playing uh, hide-and-seek, ready or not. Yeah, whether you're ready or not, it's happening. And so uh, we want to be ready for it um, as the relationship changes and matures. And then even we that are adults, as we think through our parents and their life at the tail end of their life, in their senior years, even the dynamic of that relationship requires change that must be managed. And so. We'll deal with some of that in just the dynamics, because the word has something to say about how you, how you as parents take care of young children and your responsibility. How as that as you become an adult, that relationship shifts, even in context of marriage, and then as the as your parents age to another uh, level where they become um, in need, how that relationship has certain dynamics to it. And all of those must be managed in this area of relationships. So I'm just giving you some previews for next week. That, that'll start a new volume uh, on our series on dynamics of destiny relationships. And so I want to make sure that you're aware of that. Amen. So tune in and then we'll also have some words here at the end as we kind of come to a, a tail end of this section of our teaching um, at the end. So stay tuned and we'll talk to you about that. All right. So, Dynamics of Destiny Relationships is our series. We've given you these four objectives. Number 1 to illuminate the basic power of relationships, especially relationships that are developed for the purpose of glorifying God. 2 to elaborate on the love connection as the key to empowering relationships, the principles upon which relationships consist and by which they are maintained and enhanced. And our statement is that some main, some relationships fail because we just don't do proper maintenance. Okay, your relationships can fail just like anything else. Um, natural stuff in your house, you know, natural property can, can fall apart just because you don't do the right maintenance, okay? Some things are diagnosable, and if you get to them early, you can fix it. And then some things, because they are li- allowed to languish at a bad state for such a long time, by the time you actually try to address it, I mean, like you need the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, every angel in heaven, um, you need all kinds of stuff, because you waited too long. Um, in in uh, Song of Solomon, one of the things it says is that there are that they're little foxes that can spoil your vine. Little foxes can spoil your vine. I like to say it this way. It's easier to crush an acorn than it is to cut down an oak tree. So, yeah, we want to learn how to identify issues and fix them before they become unmanageable. All right? Number three, to differentiate the various types of spiritual, natural, and social relationships and their purpose for being from God's perspective. And as we've talked about marriage, we've said that marriage fits all three of those. And then finally, number four, to motivate you to be more intentional in your relational roles at every level for relational success. All right, so we've given you one key statement here that's been a central theme for this part about being married and single. And what we said is that there is a grace of God to be either magnificently married Or successfully single and one of the things that I'm um, it wasn't the main idea of my teaching I'm very I'm very sensitive um, to the demographic dynamic in church what is demographics pastor David I'm glad you asked demographics is a study of populations okay and so, if we are in a church experience in our society um, from an African American experience, it is more common demographically, as you look at the numbers, that there are more women in church than men. Okay, that wasn't like a big revelation. That's just counting heads and noses. Okay, and um, and invariably there tends to be. Uh, in services, in church, more women believe in God for marriage than there are men available in the numbers, in the circles that they tend to run in. And I can I've been across the country and it wasn't no different than what it was here locally. Okay. And so when we talk about the grace to be successfully single, I want people to know, man, if you're, The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 talked about the fact that, hey, if if you're single, you know, learn to maximize that season. Because one of my statements is that um, the grace to be magnificently married needs to start before you get married. In other words, um, if you can manage and maximize your singlehood, then when marriage when marriage comes, you'll be better at it. Um, Some people are not successfully single, and then they think marriage is going to cover up for problems that they didn't resolve when they were single, and it wasn't designed for that. Okay? And so we talked about that um, in this series. And, you know, um, as I think about teaching and talking to people about marriage, it's interesting that one of the things that, The scriptures tell us Jesus talked about um, the days of his return. And he talked about it, that it was like in the days of Noah. And one passage of scripture says it was like in the days of Noah. And it was like in the days of Lot with Sodom and Gomorrah. Just like in the days of Noah before it rained. And then one scripture says it was like, like it'll be in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah when when uh, fire rained down from heaven on that city okay and so one of the passages says that they were marrying and given into marriage Um, and they didn't know when the end had arrived so I read that and I say well uh, all the way up to the end there's gonna be folks Marrying and getting into marriage. That means there'll be some that'll be marrying up until some people will have their wedding cards out and Jesus will come. That's what he said. Those are not my words. Those are his. Okay. Well, if that's, if they're doing that, that means that somebody won't necessarily get married because they will still be being given into marriage when he arrives. You know, that's, that's not a real deep revelation. It's just me walking out what he said to this ultimate conclusion. Okay, so I understand that there will, there's a desire for relationship, and it's a godly desire. It's a good desire. We wanna believe for it. I want people, you know, one of the things that when Bishop Thompson was talking to me, just he and I were talking, he said, sometimes have you heard the scripture and I'm just, I'm just going with my heart today, so um, I do got a bunch of notes. You know me, I come prepared but I'm just going where the Lord has taken me. That wasn't in my notes. Um, Anybody ever heard the scripture in Proverbs that says, a hope deferred makes the heart sick. Um, And Bishop, you know, talked to me. He said, hey man, I've just seen um, in church people in this area of marriage. And he specifically was talking about females more so than males. That um, their hope had been deferred long that it made their heart sick spiritually. And they start to experience a spiritual kind of dynamic because the thing that they were believing for didn't manifest. That happens in a lot of areas. Listen, I know pastors whose heart is sick because their church didn't grow as fast as they wanted. I know businessmen whose heart is sick because they thought that they was going to be, you know, men go through midlife crisis because they thought they was going to be somewhere. You go to a, you you have a class reunion. Folks have crises because I thought I was going to be here. I was voted. (laughs) Listen, I was voted. They wanted to vote me. This is true. I'm just telling you. Best dress most intelligent and most likely to succeed. And they said, you gotta pick one. I said, okay, I'll pick the most intelligent. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And then you come out of that and then your career don't turn out the way you want to. You feel some kind of way, right? Now that's just a natural relationship, but I'm gonna tell you, it'll mess with your head when you roll up on the reunion and everybody thought you was gonna be the man and then you you just nowhere near where you thought you was gonna be. You understand what I'm saying? So I just want people, what I want people to be clear on is I want people to know how to release their faith in an area without getting so wound up. <laughs> man, I <laughs> that's not me, is it? Hallelujah. Okay. I <laughs> man, <laughs> my 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 nephew, uh I went down to um I went down to uh, my nephew's church in Dallas, and uh, you know, he is he is young, working at IBM, Fortune 500 company, you know, and he look older than what he is. So they had to tell the sisters in the church, man, pump your brakes. He ain't old enough. Pump your brakes. And I'm gonna tell you, there was some heart sick stuff going on. I ain't gonna say no more, cause I don't have liberty to reveal nobody's stuff. But I'm just saying, I mean, they was like pump your brakes sister. I mean, and literally, this is, not a, this is not an exaggeration. There was weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm just saying, okay. All right, so I just want, as we come to the end of this part of it, that I, I, i am i am convinced yes you know there there are um the, the prophet isaiah said that in the last day there will come a time um, where seven women would grab hold of one man and say we will feed ourselves just give us your name i think we in that day i think people i think i think we are <laughs> <laughs> We've been in that day. <laughs> I, I think there is some there are some things that's happening, and we want we want godly women to know how to, to release their faith and trust God. You know, um faith is not magic, it has a supernatural component to it, but you it's like listen. There are some things I have believed God for, and I got walking testimonies about how God has did stuff. Other stuff, I'm still in faith, man, but it did, not all of it just moved the way I wanted it to. And, and I can't, right? I want, <laughs> I want people to have a balanced thing, because if you get that wrong, and then it goes wrong, then you'll be looking at church sideways, you'll be looking at God sideways, you'll be looking at everything sideways. And then your heart will get sick. And people go through spiritual things. And when Bishop was talking to me, he said, David, he said, he said, man, I done seen sisters. They're almost crazy. And that, I mean, really, it has so affected them. Okay. And um, so I want us, you know, uh, Apostle Frederick Casey Price had a series long time ago called "Face faith, faith Foolishness and Presumption," and sometimes people call themselves being in faith, but they are actually being very foolish and presumptuous. You see a brother in there, and then, I mean, there was some man. I'm like, they they falling like that for Cam? They're like, yeah, that's... is. Like. I said. <laughs> That sounds so, that sounds so bad. It's not that it it was, I mean, he's in a, but he's young. I I mean, I'm still thinking my nephew. I'm thinking little Cam. And the sisters are like tall, dark, and handsome with a big job. Okay. (laughs) Just saying. Okay. I don't want people to have their hope deferred and become heartsick in a way that then affects their spiritual life for the rest of their life, okay? There are things that I am believing for, my wife and I are believing for, and some stuff has really, really just happened. And other stuff like, man, I thought by now, watch the words, I thought by now, this would have manifested, okay? And then people... Uh, when God doesn't come according to the time frame that God has given them, or excuse me, not the time frame God has given them, but they've given God, right? right. right? Then they get, their, they get their heads. I mean, it gets bad. It just gets bad. And so I believe, and I shared it down there, I believe God gave me a word when we were talking about 1 Peter 3, that that there is something that a woman of God can adorn herself with in the sight of God that calls, that gets God's attention and will shake a brother up from wherever he is to find you. And I put two scriptures together, and those are the scriptures, and that was the revelation God gave me. It wasn't something that didn't that wasn't in my notes, it wasn't something I had on my mind. I just I had a Rhema and I shared it down there. And sisters, you know, they had me share my testimony about how. You know, I courted Lady Nedger, and every time she says that stuff, I start blushing, even though I'm tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, Lord, Lord. I mean, you know, it's not that it's not true. It's not that I didn't feel that way, and I do feel that way, but I'm just like. <sighs> but sisters are like, man, that testimony gives me hope. All right? And so I want people to be hopeful. I want them to have faith and patience to inherit promises. You know, my statement is faith, like, listen, if your pastor gets ill, God forbid, I'm not trying to confess it over me, but I'm just trying to teach people how to walk by faith, right? Your pastor gets ill, I'm going to be confessing by the stripes of Jesus I'm here. I'm going to get every healing scripture. I'm going to find every healing testimony, all right? I'm going to do everything I can to stay here. You got it? But if at the end of everything that I've done, I go to heaven, the next service I want in this church, whoever stands up and preaches, I want them to preach that Jesus still heals. Because my experience doesn't determine whether or not Jesus still heals. You follow me? I'm going to fight to the end, right? But the very next Sunday, what I want preached is Jesus is still the healer. Because I don't want people saying, Well, I thought Jesus healed, and if Jesus healed, why isn't Pastor David still here? Child, please, y'all be like, No, that's not how he rolled. Okay, so these people, Hebrews 11 said, died in faith, not having received, but were still persuaded of the promise. Okay, and for me, that's a strong way to live. You, you follow what I'm saying? Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm putting it out there because I'm praying. Now, listen, listen, I'm not only preaching this stuff, I'm praying. I'm praying for the men and women in my congregation. I'm praying, Lord, that, you know, and some of them, because um, some of them, if I'm praying this for some of the sisters, I mean, I'm believing that all of the brothers will come here and stay with me, but some of y'all going to have to go with them, and I'm okay with it. I ain't mad. Now, I want y'all to stay, honestly. I'm trying to grow up the church. Y'all, y'all didn't know that. I'm trying to go to church, y'all, y'all didn't know that. So I want as many as I can to stay, okay? I'm just saying. But I'm okay, you're not going to make me, you're not going to hurt my feelings. <laughs> well, not too much. You will hurt my feelings, but not too much. Not enough, I'm going to still bless you, I'm just saying. But if, I, if I'm going to try to king, hey, brother, I'm good for you. I'm a, I'm a good pastor, I'm a good pastor. I'm going to just try to do that. But if, if destiny takes you someplace else, I'm going to bless you in Jesus' name and send you on your way, Okay? And so I just want us to have the kind of faith. I just want us to have the kind of faith that can really receive from God without getting into the ditches that cause people to um, go off some way. And, you know, man, <laughs> I won't for, for the sake of the video, I won't tell you the rest of that story about my nephew, but uh, it's a good one. Okay, Proverbs <laughs> chapter 5. <laughs> 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 proverbs chapter excuse me ephesians chapter 5 i said proverbs ephesians chapter 5 21 through 24 and then verse 33 we're going to close out this thing um i just got some notes here and then um we'll go from there ephesians five twenty-one. all right and it says submitting to one another in the fear of god wives submit to your own husbands as to the lord for the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body therefore just as the church is subject to Christ so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything and then verse 33 verse 33 says nevertheless let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband let the wife see that she respects her husband all right so we've been talking about um that you know there's a love ministry of christ to the church same love ministry is for a husband to the wife and we really went in detail talking about um that love ministry of christ to the church we talked about that um the, the husband if he does his ministry right he becomes the, the beneficiary of his own ministry, right? The wife, the husband loves his wife so that he can present her to himself. So he is both the he is both the minister and the beneficiary, right? Then we talked about that the husband's words should nourish and cherish. cherish. Then we went on and talked about the wife that it is a it is an environment of mutual submission that the wife is expected to honor and yield to her husband and that the expectation is that the wife's submission is to provide benefit to her and that she is as long as he is within biblical guidelines and that's that is a big caveat because some brothers just make stuff up as they go you can't wing it right it needs to be something that jesus can say i approve that message don't you know you should I told him this at work, I was teaching on leadership. I said, listen, you shouldn't be like everything becomes a power trip. you know like like I am the formal authority in my group, but I don't pull that out unless I absolutely have to. If you got to pull out the formal authority card every if every, <laughs> listen, if you're in manufacturing and everything is a direct order, you're not a good boss man. I'm just saying. If you got to if you got to threaten people with firing to get them to just do the small thing, you clearly are not doing your job very well. All right. And so that's what I'm saying in terms of marriage. Listen, you do have final authority, but I, you know, I don't listen. Listen, it needs to be something that's really like God is it's a God said or I really believe it's the vision of the home that I have great clarity on that then causes me to move in that direction. If not, I need to chill. And just say, okay, God, what are you saying here? Um, you know, and that's the balance on it. Somebody say amen if you get that. All right. We talk from Genesis 1, through 29, and I gave you eight keys from Genesis chapters 1 and 2. All right. So let's just review that one. Let's just review those eight keys from Genesis chapter 1 and 2. All right. Number one, the humankind made in the image of God is the spirit within the man and the woman. When God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, the part of humanity that's made in the image of God is the spirit of the man. But the same hidden man of the heart is also in the female. We learned that in 1 Peter. All right. Number two, the dominion that was given was given to man and woman over everything but other men and women. And you go back and read it, dominion is not domination. Three, there is a level of agreement that is required for a husband and a wife to walk in the dominion and blessing, because God blessed them, and God said to them to have dominion, right? So if we don't do this stuff together right, then we won't have the thing that God has for us, and that's why the scriptures tell you, and these words are in red, these are the words of Jesus, a house divided against itself cannot stand so we need to see when we're in relationship particularly a marriage relationship how to keep the enemy from dividing us against each other all right and when when the fall happened um there were some things that were that happened that caused a certain because we let the snake in the garden right There was something that happened that caused relationships to have an internal friction that did not exist before. All right. And so we all have to be mindful in in the marriage relationships that we do not allow things to hinder us in our in the way our relationships were intended by God to function. Somebody say amen if you got that. All right. Number four, we said man was created within the family to fill the role of visionary and leader, cultivator and teacher and provider and protector. Visionary because God gave him the vision before he gave him the woman to assist with the vision. Because he was the visionary, because he had gotten the original assignment, he was, he was intended to teach her what God had told him, right? Um, he was the cultivator and the, and the teacher, He was a provider and a protector. He was supposed to dress and keep the garden. That word keep is a military term. That's why it's a fair, valid question to ask, how did this snake from the field get into my garden? Okay. And I gave a very simple example that um, I was out in my backyard and I thought it was a rope that was on the ground, but when I reached to pick it up and throw it away, it slithered off. And I I let it go. I didn't try to chase it but if it had been in the house, I'd have had to do something different. You follow me? Okay, so that's a part, we want to teach our young men that these are their spiritual assignments. And that's what I mean when I say, um, you need to learn this before you get married, because it's harder to get this stuff on the job if you hadn't been developing in it before, before you said I do. Right, Because Adam was filling these assignments, and then God said, it's not good for him to be by himself. He was already a visionary. He was already a leader. He was already cultivating. He was already providing and protecting. And then God said, his assignment is so great, I'm going to give him someone to assist him to fulfill that. And then those two together would have the blessing and dominion and the seed to actually fill up and cultivate the planet. All right? Okay, number five, woman was created within the family to fill the role of enhancer, reflector, and life giver. I'm very particular about this one. Um, like, like, I know that I have certain things, and then in the role of how God has given me some uh, a help me that's to, to do me, there's things that she does that I can. not I'll have it just one way. I'm very, like, she's like, hey, do you see those shoes? Honey, do you like me in those shoes? Because I don't know. Because I just, you give me black, one they're black ones, I'm cool. But there, there's an enhancer. All right? So I have to make room for enhancement. Okay? So whatever vision or dream you have, you have to make room for the person that God has sent you to, to, to give life to that. That's why um, I wish I could... Convince husbands, even in ministry, even in ministry, I have heard this must be the answer to how dumb can dumb be. Must be. This must be the answer. I've heard I've heard preachers, pastors even, say, Well, I'm the called one of God, and I'm gonna do my ministry, whether or not you whether you do it with me or not. I'm like, man, that's dumb. Especially when if you get her now listen listen I'm gonna use I'm gonna use a term because I think it's spiritually accurate okay what happens if you get your wife pregnant with your with your ministry she's the one who can give it life okay so you can go ahead and try to do it and then just like well she can just do what she want to can I know brothers you know, they out there and they do it by themselves and they married and then they wife, you know, you'd be like, where's his wife? I ain't never seen his wife. I, he done been all over preaching. I ain't never, never, not. now, listen, listen, I'm not saying every place I go preach, Lady Nedra got to go with me, but if you ain't never seen her, I think something wrong with that. I do. And then <laughs> these brothers are married, but they acting like they single ministers. And then they wonder why they can't get their ministry off foot. Because you have let you have left the life giver, the enhancer on the side. And you haven't, you've left capability because the dominion and the blessing and the seed is not just to the him, it's to the them. Okay. So that's a really important point. Don't husband and wife, listen. Learn to do your ministry thing together. Learn to do that, all right? I want you to to be clear that whatever God has called us to do, like we got to really get in agreement. And if we get in agreement, even when it doesn't seem possible, great things can happen because we're doing it together. Say amen. All right. Six purpose determines design. You are built for your assignment. Give yourself to it. Now, this is number seven is the one that we'll ultimately deal a lot with today. The fall introduced some other elements into the marital relationship that has to be managed in order to fulfill God's original intent, all right? Now, remember remember the story, um, it's not really a story, it's the account of when the Pharisees came to Jesus and then they said, Jesus, Moses gave us, to be able to write a bill of divorcement, do you agree or disagree? And he said, yeah, Moses gave you that because of the hardness of your heart. Anybody know that, that scripture that I'm referring to? And then he said, but in the beginning, it was not so. He said, cause in the beginning, God made them male and female. And then he said, for this cause a man shall leave his father, and mother to join together. Right? What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Anybody know? I'm quoting scripture, even though I'm not doing a bunch of chapter and verse there. Okay. So, what he was saying is, yeah, there was stuff that was put in, but then he would always take hum- he would always take people back to the original intention. So what I'm telling you is these roles of a husband being a visionary leader, teacher, cultivator, provider, protector, and a wife being a reflector, a life giver, and an enhancer, that was the beginning. Now, there are stuff that happened in the middle that we got to manage, but we always want to be clear about what God's original intention is because Christ— the last Adam is always trying to move us back into what God originally intended, not the stuff that we had to manage in the meantime. Does that make sense? Okay, so God wants us to get back to his original intention. All right, number eight, there's a little bit of tongue in cheek there, but the truth of it is really true. Husbands and wives should be able to bear their butts to each other warts and all without any fear of shame or rejection. They're supposed to be humorous, ha ha. But the truth of it, when it says that they were naked and unashamed, that's the truth. They were naked and unashamed. If I'm in a relationship with my spouse, and then and then it's not even physical. I'm not. I mean, I I said that uh, because the scripture says it from a physical perspective, but that's true from an emotional perspective. If your spouse reveals their inner hurts to you. And then you take advantage of that, something in your intimacy, in your relationship will die. Okay? So you always wanna be sensitive that the expectation of God is you're supposed to be able to, faults, failings, um, hopes, fears, dreams, right? That's why I say your spouse. You're supposed to get your spouse pregnant with your dream. Have you ever heard of the term brain child? Okay, that means, oh, your brain can have children. That's what you just said, right? You say a person, um, the Wright brothers are called the fathers of aviation. Okay. Um, Henry Ford is called the father of the modern-day automobile. Okay, so clearly they gave birth to something that wasn't a specific natural child. Okay, so that's why you want to have an intimate relationship with your spouse, not just about it's not just all about having physical pleasure. It's about sharing your dream, the dream, the vision God has given you, and you two making that vision a living reality. Because that's what God intended. Because you two together were supposed to be able to do something that neither one of you could do alone. All right. Um, <clears throat> now let's go on down to X, uh, Genesis chapter three. I'm going to start at verse twelve. And then I'll review some of this piece here and I'm going to speed up. This was on the other side of of the woman being talked to by the serpent and giving her husband who was with her the fruit. Adam was not, the garden was huge. Okay, if you look at the dimensions of how the landmass that is described in scripture it it, it is a small country was the garden in terms of the size of it based on the rivers that the scriptures say surrounded it but he was not some place far off when this stuff happened oh he was right there next with her the scripture says and she just reached over after she took a bite and gave him one so he can't say i wasn't even nowhere around i don't know what you was talking about It happened when I was away. It wasn't like that. He was right there with her, and he heard this conversation going on, and he ate. Okay. So let's get down to verse 12, because then he starts the blame game. Okay, so verse 12, Genesis chapter 3 says, Then the man said, The woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me of a tree and I ate. Now, that, that, that sounds kind of bitter, didn't it? God, it's her fault and it's your fault. Okay, verse 13. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now, notice the apostle Paul made a statement. He said that the man was not deceived, but the woman was deceived. She actually believed what the serpent said. The man knew he was committing treason, right? He went in with his eyes wide open. All right, verse uh, 14, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you're cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field on your belly. You should go. You should eat dust all the days of your life. Verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, He shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception and pain you shall bring forth. I'm going to deal with this statement. Your desire shall be for your husband. Your desire shall be for your husband. I'm going to come back to that statement. And he shall rule over you. Verse 17, then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded, You saying you should not eat it. Cursed is the ground for your sakes and toil. You shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field in in the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and and to dust you shall return. Now, we say Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. That's a a true statement. We got got Bible, Galatians chapter 3. Christ took thorns into himself to get the curse out of our work. So there are some things that happen as a result of the curse that Christ is always working to get us back, right? Get us back to Eden is the way Donald Lawrence sung the song, right? Right? So there was something there, but there is these things that have to be managed that happen in the meantime, and those things that have to be managed, we still got to deal with today. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of law, but there is a curse out there, and it'll try to consume your work if you let it. Okay? And so we just have to know that. All right, so I gave you a list last time, eight relationship insights from the fall, and we'll talk about those today. Number one, how did the snake get into my garden? Two, why didn't the man arise with the ego of his and protect the presence of God? In his garden, because Eden was a place of the presence of God. Three, why did he, he blame the help instead of being the head? He led another seed of vision. Remember, we talked about an enhancer. He let another seed of vision impregnate his wife instead of the one that God gave him. That wasn't a physical impregnation, but she clearly got pregnant. She did, didn't she? Seven. Okay. Seven, not eight. Thank you. Seven, not eight um, ideas here, or seven key points. Number four, um, God addresses both the snake and Satan who possessed it. Five, the snake would crawl, and Satan would get his head bruised by the seed, who is Jesus. Number six, man would have the original dominion mandate over the planet turned upside down and it would resist his advancement. Before, man worked. Like I've heard people say, I remember very clearly a young Christian um, man that I went to college with and he said, hey, hey, I'm gonna stay in school as long as I can. He wanted to be a perpetual student. You know, those people that never they never want to grow up because he said to me, you know, work is the curse. I said, no, nah, man, you're reading that scripture wrong. <laughs> Adam was working before the curse came. Now his work got harder. But he, he, he that was work before the curse. OK, people get that stuff wrong. <laughs> I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. All right. And finally, number seven woman would experience pain in reproduction of life and difficulty in life partnership with man. Difficulty in life partnership. Your desire will be for him and he will rule over you. There is some difficulty that God was describing that's a part of that relationship. So we're going to talk about that. Now turn to Colossians 3.19. I've been dealing with this husbands and wives things from the Ephesians 5 passage passage. But this passage of scripture tells me I need to show you something. And this, one's for, this is probably my last big one for the husbands. Not that it's the only one, but I, you, you got to get this because I know people that get this wrong. If, Colossians 3.19. Hallelujah. And it says, husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Now that sounded a little bitter on Adam's part, didn't it? it was, was that just me? God, I would be further along than I am, but the woman that you you gave me, so he was blaming her and God, okay? Um, there is, now remember what I said before, I told you previously that there is this thing about headship and helps, so, um in every sphere of life the head can blame the help pastors blame their members the church would be further if y'all would just get the vision and then they fuss at the people that come about the people who didn't come who are not going to hear them fuss okay management blames labor Right. So this bitterness, remember, all of these things happen. Husbands blame wives. Management blames labor. Pastors blame parishioners. Man, my church would, man, if these blankety blank, then the pastor say stuff like they get all spiritual. Sheep beget sheep. Shepherds don't beget sheep. Y'all supposed to grow the church, not me. And I'm not even saying there's no truth to it. But see, you can get bitter and start blaming the people that God sent to help you. And either I'm gonna preach to y'all to bless you or I'm gonna blame you. I can't do both. (laughs) And I've decided I am gonna just tell y'all what God say, do the best I can. And when it's all set up, I'm gonna shut up shop and go home and love my wife and still be happy. I'm not going, I can't, listen, listen. You know, I went down to my friend's church and I'm thinking, you know, he in the buckle of the Bible belt. You think you down there, I mean, like they got mega churches on every not, not a church on every corner. They got mega churches on every corner. You looking down, I'm like, by God, Lord Jesus. And I'm thinking, man, you know what I'm saying? And then I'm like, but I can't, I can get in that, I can let that stuff get in my head. I know preachers that do. And then they turn around, fuss at the people that's helping them, getting mad at them because they are bitter with the people that they should be blessing. And that same principle works out in so many different areas of society. Your president is mad at the media. He's angry with them. Fake news. Your job is to uphold the Constitution, which includes freedom of the press. But you're angry with your tweeting self. Am I right about it? Yeah, I am right about it. You can blame the people that you're supposed to be blessing. So we have to manage that because I've been in marriage counseling and, and, and like, listen, listen, listen. I come so hard for the brothers in marriage counseling, they don't even think I even know scriptures about it. I had one woman saying, man, I'm tired of you coming for me. Don't she got to do something? I'm like, listen, when God came to the garden, he didn't ask for Eve first. He asked for you first, dude. That's the, that's the gig you signed up for. It's not my fault. You signed up for it. Nobody put a shotgun to your head and told you to marry her. But that's the assignment. You can't be blaming the person that God sent you to help. You just can't do it. All right. So, all right. I, I'm sorry. I get. I get. A, <laughs> I get a little angry over some of that stuff. I, I'm not. I'm really not angry. Honestly, I'm not angry. Okay. Put me on the screen. <laughs> me, and the team. Put. Me, I'm not angry. I'm not angry. I'm not angry. But I just. I'm very clear about it because God is very clear about it. Listen, I'm very clear I have certain boundaries as a pastor because I know I'm going to stand in front of Jesus and he's going to look me in the eye and talk to me about y'all. So I'm very clear on that stuff. Right? I took an oath when I was ordained to be the shepherd of this congregation. I'm very clear on that. Okay? So I... It's not because I'm, but I'm not angry. I'm definite because I feel like the Bible is very clear too. You follow me? All right. But there is a part of the dynamic that happens that uh, sometimes the help doesn't help itself. And so I want to deal with some of those things today. Look at Proverbs 14 and 1. Remember, while we're, t- while we're turning to Proverbs 14 and 1, remember Jesus said, he that hears my saying and doing it, I will liken to a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And then he said, the person who hears what I say and doesn't do it, I will liken to a foolish person who then builds on sand. And the same storm happens to both, and the person who's wise, house stand, and the person who's foolish, their house falls with the great fall. Now let's look at, Proverbs chapter fourteen and verse one. Now let's look. Let's look at with this from the from the female perspective, and it says the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her. And I'm going to insert the word own hands. So there, there clearly is from scripture a way that I can be good. And wise in my relationships in a way that I can be foolish and my house will experience either the burden or the benefit of of where I am in my own spiritual life. Amen. That's, That's real clear from that scripture, isn't it? I can either be a wise woman or I can be a foolish woman and my house gets either the benefit or the burden based on how I behave myself from a spiritual perspective in terms of managing my home. All right. So we want to be those wise people. Now, we we talked to you about this thing about your desire should be to your husband. I've heard that that statement said a couple different ways, but that's the first time that term desire is used in that fashion. Now I'm going to show you the second time that it's used in Scripture. Turn to Genesis chapter four, and we're going to read verses one through seven. Genesis chapter four, one through seven. And it says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time her his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flocks and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. Now, the second part of that says, but you should rule over it. Man, here's that desire and rule thing, isn't it? See those same two words. Your desire to be shall be to your husband and he shall rule over you. Sin has a desire towards you, but you got to rule over it. The, the word therefore, desire says uh, sin is trying to manhandle you. Sin don't just want to be in relationship with you. Sin want to run your life. Or am I the only person that has sin challenges? Sin don't ever, ever heard the term don't let the devil ride? Why not? Because sooner or later, he's gonna want to drive. Sin don't ever just want to ride with you. Sin want to drive. And so he's saying, you're going to have to put some controls on this thing. Now we flip that back. So this same thing is saying, okay, even when I before the fall, there was always an order in the home that the male, the man was first. That was the order of God. Just like God the Father is first before God the Son. Just like God the Son is first before God the Holy Spirit. There was always an order. And what he's saying is, part of the thing that happens in the fall is, listen, you wanna run that brother. And you got to know how to manage that. You, You got to know how to manage that so what we have to be clear on is and particularly in in the spirit of the age of feminism that we live in today and listen there is a proper and right biblical release from bondage that god didn't put people under but listen if if you don't want to be a wife, then don't get married. I'm not even mad at you. I didn't even tell you there's no scripture that said you just got to want to be one. But what I don't like is people that sign up for the job and then after they signed up for it, don't want to do what the job is. Just like I'm upset with brothers who don't want to sign up for the responsibility to be the head. After they went to an altar in front of God and said yes. Okay, so I'm very concerned in our society because we're in the spirit of the age that's around us is an age where sisters like, I don't need a man. And you, I'm not, listen, listen, you, you know, what, how did Tyler Perry say? I can do bad by myself. Yeah, yeah, I can do bad by myself. You know, I don't need nobody to help me. Okay, but listen, if you want to do it by yourself, then be by yourself. Don't get into it and then decide, I, I wanna change the job description. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Cause God's not gonna change his mind on your assignment. And so you're gonna have to, if you have this controlling desire that says, listen, if you turn your husband into your wife, you're not gonna be happy with what you got. You're not gonna be happy with your own product. I have seen sisters, I have seen sisters manhandle their husband, and when they get done with him, they don't even like what they made. Listen, 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 listen. You're not going to be happy with that because he wasn't made for that. You're not going to like it. And then when you have, when you have taken every, all of the fight out of him, when you have crushed his ego, when he lets you wear the pants and I, you're not going to be happy wearing them pants because they weren't made for you. I know that's some, I know that's tough. That's tough teaching in the, in 2018, but I'm just, that's the Bible. You know, you know. (laughs) I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, me and my daughter are so tired. We have discussions, and, you know, she, she quick of wit like her dad sometimes. And I'm like, listen, sister, I ain't mad at you. I said, okay, all right. Now, once you get married, you're going to have to pump the brakes on that tongue a little bit. I ain't telling you you got the dumb down. But everything you know right now, you don't have to say right now, and you certainly don't have to say it the way you just said it. You got to help them. Okay, that's not going to help you. I'm just, uh, (laughs) okay. You know, now you're believing for all these other things. Now just put it all in there. Make sure it's all in the bag. You want a relationship. You want a family. You want all of that. Okay, I'm not telling you you got to dumb down, but listen, you you need to know how to approach the head of your home. Check check that snappy sarcasm at the door. Okay, you got to do this stuff right, right? And 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 now. Notice I didn't say you got. Now, I know there's people that preach it other kinds of ways, but I'm showing you what the word had to say about it. I'm not giving you my opinion. Let Mount Zion rejoice and the daughters of Judah be glad. You should be glad if you're doing it the Bible way. You shouldn't feel like you you are a slave or a second-class citizen. There was nothing. Jesus was the most freeing, liberating being on the planet. No other other faith has the same kind of freedom that that is built into its doctrine like the Christian doctrine. But even with freedom, there's still boundaries. Listen, I am not happy with our president or my governor but there are still certain boundaries. If I violate how I treat them or talk to them, I will get crosswise with God. Now, I'm not telling you I got to stand, you know, everything they're saying is right. And I, I don't, listen, there's a right for peaceful protest. Scripture, my constitution says it and the Bible, says it too. But I got to go about it a certain way. And if I go about it wrong, me and God will have problems. Even if they wrong, he's still gonna check me. Don't you hate that some days? Like like God, they did all of this wrong and then the first thing you go, you don't even talk to me about them, you deal with me about everything I did wrong. And until until I get my nickel off that quarter, you're not even dealing with them. Am I the only one that feel that way? Like God, why are you dealing with me? You see all of that stuff they did and he won't even talk to me about they stuff. He deal with me about what I did wrong. So I'm real, I'm real, you know, that's why I'm telling you this. You got to, he going to check you about what you did wrong. When you stand in front of God, he not going to talk to you about what they did wrong. He going to talk to you about what you did wrong. So I got to get my act together. And fulfill the assignment God has for me and then once once I got my nickel out of that quarter now we can pray about them okay all right so part of the difficulty we talked about the difficulty that is in relationships because of the fall bitterness husbands can be bitter can be blaming in the relationships And then wives can be resistant to godly authority. And we have to manage both sides of that because the scripture says those are things that were introduced because of the fall. Look at Genesis chapter 17, verse 15 and 16. In 1 Peter, we talked about Sarah, and at the end, Sarah called Abraham Lord. Now, that don't preach well in a 21st century church, but it's still in the Bible. I can't take it out just because people don't like to hear it. It's there. I can't, can't take it out. Now, she wasn't calling him the capital L Lord. She was calling him the lower L Lord. She was saying he's the ruler of our home. It's not where she started, though. Genesis 17, 15 and 16. And it says, then God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife. You shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. So as Abraham was the father of nations, this scripture says, God, 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 God called Sarah the mother of nations. Everybody read that, right? Her name was Sarai. The word Sarai, um, it has a leadership connotation to it but it means domineering. We would say the word nag. Oh yeah, is that a Bible word? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's what that means. Yeah, I'm in the Bible, I'm just... Okay, go back, get your Strong's Concordance out and see his Pastor David telling the truth. I did my homework, you do yours. But he changed her name, and her name goes on to mean Sarah. It's just they're very close to one another. Even Sarah has a leadership aspect to it, but it literally means a woman of nobility, a princess or a queen. One of them demands respect. The other one commands respect. The desire should be to your husband to be controlling of the relationship. Okay, so we have to, somewhere in her spiritual experience, she got to a point where she could let go of the reins. That's what that's saying. Now, when she let go of the reins, then God began to fight for her when she got in trouble. I told you that one. Right? Right? So I want you to understand that I'm not telling you just sit around and take all of the junk because everything that you submit to should be as is fit in the Lord. It shouldn't be a bunch of crazy stuff. You don't make this stuff up as you go. I, 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 re, I listen to some people preach. I'm like, man, are you, do you got the same Bible I got? People make up stuff and then they call it God and gospel. That's not what I'm talking about. But there is a place where you have to be willing to yield authority. Because it never says husbands make your wives submit. There's never a scripture like that. It just says husbands love her, whatever she does. And then she has to decide if she wants to submit to you. That's a decision she's got to make. All right. Good preaching, Pastor David. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay. Now we're going to read a few scriptures here, and I'm I'm done. But I want to talk about this. Proverbs 15. 16 and 17 um we want to make sure that we fix the strife in our relationships and know learn how to get along proverbs uh 15 16 and 17 says better is a little with the fear of the lord than great treasure with trouble therewith verse 17 says blessed is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred okay so what is that telling you? You know, when I was, when I was a young person, um, I had a teacher, Miss Lori Ann Johnson. Great, <laughs> she was a good teacher to me. She loved me, I was a teacher's pet, yep, I was that dude. And uh, <laughs> she had a statement. I felt like, you know, I didn't attend a black college, um, but I felt like in elementary, I got a black college experience because they kind of mothered me and they kind of taught me like, you can do everything, you can, you know, they were those kinds of teachers. And, she had this poem she used to tell us, good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good becomes better and your better becomes best. And so um, there are scriptures and Proverbs where it, it'll tell you good, better, and best, right? Um, but why does it tell you the better? Because sometimes the bad looks better and the better looks bad. So it's telling you when you're in trouble, like there are people who are in trouble and they will work on fixing their money, but not their marriage. And it's saying it's better for you to be barely making it and y'all love each other than it is to have a bunch of money and y'all can't even stand each other. That's what that's saying. Sometimes people, they're trying to fix the wrong thing. It's better for y'all to fix how y'all get along and figure out the money as you go yeah. than to fix the money and y'all can't even stand each other. Okay? So listen, if you got relationship problems and money problems, fix the relationship problems first. All right. All right, uh... Now look at Proverbs 17 and 1. Here's one more scripture that talks about that. Proverbs 17 and 1 says, better is a dry morsel with quietness. That's like a TV dinner without the TV. Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. Yeah. So I need to fix the right stuff first. Because some people, (laughs) their marriage is bad, and then they go out and work overtime. Bruh, that's not the answer. They want to fix the money issues. And and, and, and money, listen, I done told you, Bill will get in the bed with you. Light bill, gas bill, house bill, mortgage bill. Bill will jump in the bed with you and your spouse, and he'll he'll keep stuff up if y'all ain't getting along. I'm just saying, he will. But this scripture tells me, It's better for me to make sure we walk in love with one another, even if even if our ends aren't quite meeting the way we want them to meet. We need to learn how to get along with each other. Say amen if you got that. All right. Now let's talk about this thing about strife. In marriage, Um, there is a scripture rule called the two or three witness rule. If I get two or three scriptures saying the same thing, then it's a big deal to God. All right, so I got one, two, three, four, five. I got five scriptures I'm about to tell you real quick that deals with contentious and nagging women. Don't be mad at me, it's the Bible. It's in your Bible. I'm just saying it's a big deal to God. All right? Now I done dealt with the brothers first, so don't say that I'm just coming for y'all. I'm, I'm very even. okay? But I'm going to tell you what the word got to say about it. All right, so let's look at it. Proverbs 19 and 13. Proverbs 19 and 13 says, A foolish son is the ruin of his fathers, and the contentions of a wife are a continu- continual dropping. It's talking about a leaky roof. Ever had a, a leak and you don't know where it is, but every time it rains, y'all getting wet and you can't quite find the leak? That's what it's. (laughs) See, the Bible is big with word pictures. And so if you contentious and angry when it gets when when there's bad weather outside, it's going to be wet up in there. Ain't nobody comfortable. Right. Now, let's look at another one. Proverbs 21 and nine. Better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. And it says in a wide house in the king james it's like you can have a big house but a big house it's like you want to live on the other end of it It said, it's saying it's better to be on the top of the roof where you get no protection from the rain no protection from the elements now i know brothers their brothers now i say this man cave thing but it's just a joke y'all but there's some people they run to live in a man cave because they're running from something, too. Now skip down to verse 19. Not only is it better to dwell in the corner of a housetop, verse, verse 19 says it's better to dwell in the wilderness. It's better to dwell out with the wild animals than with the contentious and angry. Oh, now she got a fight and she's angry. Lord, 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 Lord. Now, this is your Bible. Now, don't, don't, don't shoot me down when I'm preaching good. Now, y'all was all giving me my amens when I was coming for the brothers sisters. Don't, don't, don't leave me out now. I'm just saying, y'all was coming. Y'all was with me when I was telling them all, and I was telling them. Okay, I'm just saying, we all got, we all got relationship work to do. Okay, that's all I'm saying. All right? Now, look at chapter 24, verse, chapter 25, verse 24. Now this one actually says the same thing as what we said before, but I'm just, just so you have them all for your notes. It is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a house share with a contentious woman. Now look at Proverbs 27, 15 and 16. Proverbs 27 verse 15, hallelujah, right? A continual dripping on a, rainy, a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Now look at verse 16. Whoever restrains her, restrains the wind. Now tell me how you're going to restrain the wind. And grasp oil with his right hand. Okay, listen. Even when you win the fight, you're losing. That's what that's telling you. <laughs> Even when you won, you lost. Okay, because her mind has a way, I'm telling you, sisters, when they get into a certain zone, and the Bible tells you that. Listen, 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 it's just better for you not to even, listen, just, bruh, bruh, let me help you, let me help you, bruh, 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 let me help you. It's better, some fights, is just, it's not worth it. Just don't take it, okay, just, I'm just saying this. Just, just close your mouth, just chill, Okay. All right, one final scripture and then we're done. Um, Proverbs 12 and four, that one just talks about contention and anger, right? We, want, we need that out of our relationships, whether it's bitterness from the husband or contentiousness from the wife. We need that out of our relationships if we're gonna have successful destiny relationships. Say amen if that's, if that's blessing. All right, now look at Proverbs 12 and four. This is an important passage of scripture. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. Crown, that means that you are the seal and sign of his authority. Proverbs 31 talks about the fact that a virtuous woman, her husband sits in the gate. That means he has a seat of authority, okay? That's why, that's why I work, listen, listen. I'm not perfect, but I work on my relationship because I understand this principle, okay? I, if, if my relationship at home is bad, my authority in the church cannot be good. Now, I know brothers, there's brothers that do a bunch of crazy stuff at home and then just tell y'all to do stuff that ain't working for them. I'm not one of them. I ain't perfect. But listen, I'm not telling y'all to do something, then I'm going home living a life that's completely different from that. And you can hear the authority in my voice because I'm preaching something that I live. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tell. You Listen, y'all, sisters be peeping out the wife and know that brother, he just saying some words. Y'all done peeped out brothers saying a bunch of stuff. Come on, y'all. Y'all look at their wife and know he just talking. He just, he just breath britches. Ain't nothing going on but the rent. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know when he ain't, when you know whenever he just saying stuff, y'all you look at his wife like, He lying. Right? Come on, say amen if you know I'm telling you the truth. Yeah, you know that. Okay, so what I'm telling you is, is if this relationship is right, your mere presence gives him power. That's what that said. On the other side, part B of that is, but she who causes shame. Remember, he's got an ego need to win. God gave it to him. It's not the devil. He can't get saved from it. You know, because he just, listen, listen, you want your man to have some ego. Now, you don't want his ego out of control. You don't want him to be where he can't be listened to, to you or to God or to godly authority. You know, I tell people, listen, listen, when I'm dealing with young men, that's why the Bible says don't exasperate your sons. He going to need that fight to get into this world. Child, please, your son going to need some fight in him because the world will eat him alive if he don't have no fight in him. But he can't be out of control because they lock up folks that's out of control and they really good at locking them up. She who causes shame is like osteoporosis. That's what I that said, isn't it? like rottenness in his bones. He's brittle. He can't he can't survive. He can't stand. He he's not strong. He he, he can't he can't last long. He's he's always hurt. He's always he's always on injured reserve. So you want to be careful to be what is produces excellence, not shame. And and you got to be careful how you talk to him cuz you can shame him just one on one. You can take the weakness that you are meant to help, and you can hurt him with it. You Got to watch your mouth. Every wife knows. You know where the bodies are buried. You understand that term? You can fight and not play fair. You know where all of this stuff is. You know how to push a button. When he got on your last nerve, you can say that one thing that just shut him down. And you have to have that strength under control because if you hurt him, you're not going to be happy with what you make him into. You're going to be the one that cries over your own creation because a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman plucks it down with her very hand. That's what we're talking about. All right. Did this bless you today? Yes. Woo! All right. Praise the Lord. I, I, I know, man. I, this is always a pastor. I have to pray when I start dealing with this stuff. I'm like, Lord, just because I want people to understand the spirit of it. I don't want people to come out here. Some people have taught this stuff and they've made God's leading ladies feel like second class citizens. And that's never my intention and it's certainly not the word of god it's just stuff that people made up that's just the doctrines of men that's not what god did some people hate the church and the bible and god because of what folks have said god said instead of what god actually said and so it's always my desire to preach these things in a way that people really get the truth the real truth now so that we can get the right kind of character development but not get things that bind them up and make them feel some other kind of way than what God intends.